0: Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Inahmaduhu wa nasta'ayinuhu wa nasta'akhfiruhu wa nuhminu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shurur anfusina wa min sayyyaati a'amalina. Ma yahdihillahu falamudillahu wa ma yudlilu falamadiyalahu wa ma yudlilu falamadiyalahu wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahula sharikala sharika lah. Wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abiduhu wa rasooluhu salawatu rabbihi wa salamuhu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi. وَمَنْ دعا بدعوته إِلَى يَوْمِ الدِّينِ أَمَّا بَعْدْ We love brothers and sisters is in Islam. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Holy Quran, بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَى أَحَدٍ مَنْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ صَدَقُ اللَّهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ Muhammad ﷺ is not the father of any man amongst you. وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ الله. But he is the messenger of Allah. وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ And also, he is the final, last prophet of Allah. وَسُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى After which no other prophet will come ever. Now you and I know that the Nabi alayhi <laughs> salam had how many sons? How many sons did they have? Somebody says two? Any other guess? Your prophet. Your prophet. So you know, my wife always tells me, I "Mustn't do this to the people." You know, she says, "How can you do this to the people? and ask them questions, and then you keep quiet, and you take long, and you don't answer the question. You <laughs> people get embarrassed." You know, she says. So my wife is on your side. Unfortunately, I'm not on your side, because I feel that if I drag it out, you will remember, you will remember it better. If I embarrass you now, rather than the akhirah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many sons is the Prophet? Three sons. They had three sons. He had his first son's name was? His uncle's name. That man sitting there, his, his uncle's name. Qasim. Qasim, Sheikh Qasim, Sheikh Qasim, Qasim Abdul Rauf. Allah Remember, that was the Prophet's first son, Qasim. Where was he born? He was born in Makkah. Who was his mother? Prophet only had one wife in Makkah. <laughs> only one wife. 25 years. 25 years they had one wife in Makkah, no other wives. And he was born in Makkah and he died at around the age of, he must have been about six or six and a half, somewhere around there. He passed away. And then the Prophet had a second son in Makkah, whose name was. (laughs) What is his name? I'm sure some of you has his name. What is his name? What is second son's name? My friend sitting there, he's got got his name. Got a friend sitting here today, mashallah, from the book. His name is that boy's name, Abdullah. Abdullah. Abdullah also passed away, subhanAllah. He must have been about one and a half, two years old, he passed away. And of course in the Prophet, had the third son, which is the most famous of the three, he was born in Medina, and he was the son of Maria, Qibtiyya, and his name was Ibrahim. So all three sons passed away. Can you imagine how, what a father must feel to lose three sons? SubhanAllah. In fact, the Nabi, alayhi sallam, buried all his children except one. He buried all his children. I mean, sometimes we think, you know, we bury, bury our children. It's very, very sad. The Prophet ﷺ, the, the most beloved of Allah ﷺ, I mean, had to bury all his daughters and all his sons, and only one was there Fatima Taala. She was the only one who survived him. He had to bury all his children. So you can imagine, this is one of the trials and tribulations and tests which Allah wa Taala given to his highest creation, his most beloved creation. Today we cry our hearts out when our mother dies, or father dies. They're meant to die before us. They're older than us. We're meant to bury our parents. We're not meant to bury our children. We're meant to bury our parents. So imagine you lose all your children except one. Think how many children you have? Think you may have five children, four children, three children, six children. Imagine five of them have died, they only have one left. Subhanallah. So that was the first statue Nabi had. And, and you know, at that time, the Quraysh, this happened in the first few years of the <coughs> Prophet Nubuwa in his prophethood in Makkah. And the Quraysh used to uses against him, they used to run around Makkah, Allah Muhammad has got no offspring, he's got no sons when he dies, nobody's going to take up the casuals of his mission and everything is going to die, you know and they used to call him Abtar Abtar means a sonless person possible with no sons, no heritage in other words if he dies, shoop everything is cut off, so Abu, Abu Jahn, Abu Lahab, they used to they used to revel in this Muhammad, don't worry about Muhammad don't worry about him. There's a man called Wa'il particularly, al As ibn Wa'il. When the Quraysh complained to him, one of the leaders Quraysh complained to him about Muhammad sallallahu and his message, he said, don't worry about his message. His message will just die. When he dies, khalas, end of story, finish and klar, his message will be, will be over. So around about the fourth year of the Hijrah, of course it affected the Nabi alayhi as well. Because remember he was a struggling prophet. He was a poor, struggling prophet. He was poor in material means. He had nothing. He was an employee of his wife. Worked for his wife. He didn't even have a business of his own. And Allah SWT placed this great burden in him to convert the world to Islam. So when the Quraysh went on this rampage against him for him not having any children, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealed which verse of the Quran, which surah of the Quran: "Inna a'atayna kal kusar, fassalli rubbika wa anhar, inna Subhanallah. Anas ibn Malik says in the hadith reported by. Imam Muslim, Anas ibn Malik says, the Nabi wa sallam was one day sitting with him in Makkah, and the Nabi dozed off. And the Nabi woke up from dozing off, and he was smiling like the full moon, his face was smiling. And they asked him, Ya Rasulullah, why are you smiling? He said, I'm smiling because Allah had just revealed to me a surah which, what a beautiful, what a wonderful surah it says. And he says, the name of the surah is Al-Kawthar. And he read the surah, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرُ فَصَلِّ kawanhar, "Inna إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبَدْرِ And the Nabi Sallam said to the Sahaba, Do you know what's the meaning of Al-Kawthar? They said, of course, Allah and His Prophet knows best. And the Nabi Sallam said, Al-Kawthar, innahu نَهْرٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ Kawthar is... A river in paradise. مَهُ أَشَدُّ بَيَادًا مِنَ الْلَبَنِ Its color is whiter than milk. وَأَحْلَ مِنَ الْعَصِرِ And sweeter than honey. Nabi S.A.W. describes the river smiling to the companions, And the Nabi Sallam implies that إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ Allah says, O oh Muhammad S.A.W., we've already given you this gift. We're not giving you this gift because you're struggling now. We're not giving you this gift because people are accusing you of not having children and being childless and sonless, and your message is going to die. Even before all this, I've already given to you a river in Jannah called Al-Kawthar. Because the word Kawthar, as you can hear, Kawthar comes from the word Kathura or Kathir. All of you will know what Kathir means. Those of you who've been from Makkah, everybody talks about Kathir? Hmm? Lot means a lot. It means something with good which is given in abundance. So Allah it also means kawthar is a river in the Jannah, but it also means, says the muhaddithun or the Mufassirun rather, they say that kawthar means also all good in abundance. Nabi sallallahu alaihi was given all good in abundance. Of course he was given all good in abundance, subhanAllah. He was given the messengership of the last of the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was given the crucible of the last message of Islam, Al-Quran. Although he was an outlaw in Mecca amongst the Quraysh, he became the teacher of the world in Medina. Subhanallah. From nothing to subhanallah. He was a very poor man in Mecca as we were here, and he became, not a very rich man, but mashallah, alhamdulillah, Allah Taala flooded the baytul mal in mecca in the time of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says to the sahaba it's nahrun fil jannah this is a it's a reflection of the abundance of good which allah ta'ala is going to give to him on the day of qiyamah and the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam continues explaining what kauthar is the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said wa hawdun wa hawdun hawd You've heard of the Haud, it is a pool of water or dam of water, pool of water that will be provided to the Nabi وسلم, to quench the thirst of his Ummah. Now, you know, that day, the day of Qiyamah, it's called Yawmul Qiyamah, not Qiyamah, Yawmul Qiyamah. In other words, the whole of Qiyamah will take place on one day. أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ mimma Allah SWT says, And one day of those days is equal to a thousand years of the dunya. So if you are the last man to be questioned on that day, you would have stood in the sun for a thousand years. So on that day, and the sun will be so much from your head. You will be standing in your own sweat. 'Cause you will be desperate to be questions are you don't care now where you're going, to the hot place or to the nice place, because you'll be so tired. And who will be the only provider of water on that day who will be the Muhammad and he will provide it only for this Ummah, subhanallah. So we are so blessed. And one of us will come to the Haud and the angels will say, No 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 no. No, 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 you you They tell the Prophet, angels angel to say to the Prophet, No, no, don't give him water. Don't give him water. And the Nabi But Ya Rab, Nabi will say, the Nabi Al-Saddam will say to the angels, but <coughs> oh oh Lord, he will say, Rabbi, oh my Lord, why not? Inlaumin <laughs> Ummati, He he's of my Ummah. He's of my Ummah. And what will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Why will he not get any water from the Haud? And the Haud is the water which will be fed by the river Kautha. And the people tell us that whoever drinks of that river will never be thirsty again. Not to say he won't drink water again because he will drink water for pleasure after that. But thirst will go away from him. And what will Allah Subhanahu wa Taala say to the Nabi Why will that Ummati, why will that member of the Prophet Ummah not be given any of that water? Inna tadri ma Allah will say to the angels, Tell Muhammad Sallallahu oh O Muhammad, that that man or that woman of your Ummah that you want, that I refused you to give order to, you don't know what bid'ah they did after you died. Ma you don't know how you, they changed your sunnah after you died. They're not part of the ummah. Subhanallah. So when you talk about people say yeah they talk about bid'ah. This is a very serious matter, my dear brothers. Not just a light matter. Because bid'ah means you are rejecting the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam. You are replacing the sunnah of Muhammad wa You are denying Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam the status which Allah subhanahu wa given to him which is to bring to us the perfection of deen. To teach us the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to bring us the perfect road to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa then explained to the sahaba what Kawthar in fact means. And if we look at the sequence of ayat or surahs as was revealed, the surah before this is Surah Al. What is the surah before Al-Kawthar? Surah Al-Ma'oon. Surah Al-Ma'oon, which begins with. First that surah, then comes suratul kawthar And suratul Ma'un, Allah tells us the attributes of the hypocrites and the Muslims of weak faith. Allah gives us the qualities of the Muslims of weak faith and the hypocrites in suratul Ma'un. أَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينِ Allah subhanahu says, Do you see the people who deny the faith that Allah subhanahu given to them? They deny the faith. In other words, what is inside, doesn't come outside. And what is outside is not inside. So, what are the four things that we find in Surah Maun which characterizes the weak Muslim? That is the person who pushes away the orphan. And the orphan here is represents the poor, the downtrodden, the needy, the rejected, the marginalized in society. In other words, that person is not concerned with the orphan. وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَى تعامل الْمِسْكِينَ And he doesn't involve himself or encourage the feeding of the poor. Or is this an excuse? No, you spoil them. No, you do this to them. No, to do that to them. Don't give them this and don't give them that. Don't answer the doorbell. And when we do give, what do we give? We scratch in the fridge for the oldest food, and we give it to them. And what do we do? Don't give them money, we also say. Don't give them money. Only give them food. Somebody told me the other day to say that... Uh, <clears throat> said that his daughter had baked, had a lot of cake made. And she was going to distribute this cake to orphanages and old age homes and so forth and so on. And the question he wanted to ask me was, can these orphanages and old age homes also have non-Muslims? Can this cake also be given to the non-Muslims? Now this doesn't need a fatwa from me or from anybody would every, anybody would have said, but it's got nothing to do with the religion of the person. You know, the cake, she can give it to everybody. But then he said something, he said, but it's a zakah. Subhanallah. How many years after the, after the coming of Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are we living in now? How many years exactly? How many? Thousand and how much? Thousand? Four hundred? Thousand four hundred. Thousand Thousand People still don't know how to give zakah. We, 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 we say, Oh, we love the Prophet so much, subhanallah. Sure, there's no other people who's ever loved him more than what we love him. But how much do we know of his deen? How much do we know of what he did? don't know how to give zakah we think we can convert zakah into bread and cakes and food from where? from which prophet taught you that he made pots of food and gave people and said that's, that's zakah from which he takes the money and said bake cake and give it to the people of Marina or make food parcels from the zakah and give it, you can't do that look it out Fitra yes. Sadaqah, yes. It can make your own food. But zakah must be given in in the genus that you've received it in. So if people give you camels, you must give them camels. You can't say, well, this is a nice camel. I'm going to keep this camel. Sell it and keep it. No, 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 no. The camel was brought to the Baithul Mah and somebody came and needed a camel, the Prophet gave him a camel. If a man came and he needed money, he was given money. Prophet say, they didn't say, well, you know, you look a bit dodgy. I'm not going to give you money. I'm going to give you — here's a food parcel. No, no, no. When it comes to zakah, it must be given in the form it was given to you. Because people can give different forms of zakah. Why? Why can't you convert it? Because it's not your money. Not my money. Whose money is it? Allah's money doesn't belong to me. Once my date falls due for my 2.5%, that money transfers into Allah's bank account. <coughs> and as long as it is still in my bank account, I'm a thief. I'm stealing whose money? Allah's money. Until I give that money, I'm in big trouble. Big trouble. Big, big, big trouble. I'm sitting with Allah's money in my bank account imagine I spend it on things which I'm not supposed to spend it on imagine I make cake from it and give it away I, I'm breaking all the rules but I say I love Muhammad so Allah taala says and the second Attribute of a bad, of a weak Muslim is that He doesn't encourage feeding of the poor And number three And woe to the people who make salah Says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Third quality of a, of a weak Muslim is Those are sahoon about their salah What does sahoon mean? Allah says, those are about the salah. Sahun means, alladhina hum yuraoon. Those who only make salah, so other people can see them make salah. Allah Abdullah ibn Abba says, that this means, a person who only prays in public, when he has to pray at home, he doesn't pray. Only when it comes to the majid, he prays. If he has to get a salah at home, he doesn't pray. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that our salah, whether it be in public or at home, always be for the sake of Allah subhanahu May we try and achieve that inshallah. May we make salah in public as we make salah in private. Not make long sujoods and ruku's in public and in private, we just about put our head on the ground. May we not make long du'as after salah in public, and at home we just say, Wa salaam <laughs> gone. May we make sunnah salah as we make it at home and make it in public. Not at home, we never make sunnah salah, but in public. Because why? If I walk out after the salah to the people and say, Papa, why you lose my item? May Allah swt give us inshallah that consciousness al Maun? And the fourth sign of a weak Muslim is that he has no time to help his, his neighbor, his brother, his whoever may need help me this up. Somebody comes to you and says, lend me a hammer. And you say, no man, I don't have a hammer. I mean, I've got three hammers. But your experience taught you that you give something to somebody never brings it back. So you don't trust anybody. You become a trustless person. But Allah has given you three hammers. Allah didn't say, I'm only going to give him one hammer. I'm not going to allow him to have a second or third hammer. He must look after his own hammer. He's one hammer. No. But you say, no, I'm not going to lend him my spade or this or that because he's never going to bring it back. I ask him for it back. But all this is true, we rather speak about it. But we won't say to the man, you know, brother, you lend my spade, please can I have it back? We'll tell his brother, you know, I gave him a spade three years ago and he never brought it back. To have something to say. Allah says, We're not even prepared to help people. Somebody comes and asks for a cup of sugar or some salt to the neighbor or, or something, and you say, No, you don't have. Why? Because your wife tells you, Don't spoil them. And Allah spoils us 24 7. Allah spoils us 24 7. Got, you got sugar in your pot on the table and 5 kilos in the cupboard. Allah has given you 5 kilos sugar in the cupboard. And it is a sale, if sugar is cheap, we buy 20 kilos of sugar. So these are the qualities that we should not have in ourselves. We should love to help the poor and the stressed. We should encourage people to give and to feed. We should make salah for the sake of Allah not so that people can see us. And we should do the small things, help people with the small things that they need in life. These are the qualities which Allah tells us in Surah Maun, which is the Surah which we are talking about today, Surah al And in Surah al Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the corresponding four virtues that righteous believers have. Number one is, Because the word kawthar not only means that which Allah gave to Muhammad in abundance, kawthar also means a person who likes to give others in abundance. He's got a generous nature, he loves to give. And Allah says the first quality of a good believing Muslim is generosity. If you want to test your iman, then you should ask yourself, How generous am I? How generous am I? But you know what generosity means in Islam? Generosity means always to think of how many millions you would want to give if you had it. Of how many madrasas and masjids and orphanages you would want to both if you had the money. Of how many ulama you would like to send overseas to go and learn the deen of Allah Of how many people you would like to give housing to and this to and do that. That is generosity. Apart from what you can give A Muslim always thinks of how much he would like to give, even if he can't. Because remember all those thoughts of giving add to your rewards on the day of fiyamah. Allah will say to you, do you remember that day when you were thinking about building an orphanage? Do you remember that day? You you could never forget? do you remember you thought about it? Do you remember you had such a strong feeling that you wanted to do it? There it's in your book. I've written it for you in your book. SubhanAllah the second good quality of a Muslim is regularity in his prayer إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ فَصَلِّ regularity in prayer regularity in worship worship to who? worship to Allah regularity in ibadah in ibadah what is ibadah? Ibadah is that which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala instructed His Prophet to tell us to do. Therefore, ibadah cannot be invented by a Muslim or a saint or a prophet. Ibadah is worship of Allah. Allah gives the prescription and the program in the manner of worshiping Him, and that methodology is cast in stone. Why? Why? Because if it was left to other people to, in, to, in, to, to, to improve upon or to increase upon, everybody would have said, I want to include this in my ibadah. I want to include that in my ibadah. I want to do this for my ibadah. Allah SWT says, فَصَلِّ What was the next word? li Rabbika. The ibadah for your Lord, which comes from your Lord, by Muhammad not the invented ibadahs that we have. We spend more time on the invented ibadahs than on the ibadahs which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given. And which will guarantee us paradise. And which is no burden on a Muslim. And we know that. Allah wa ta'ala tells us, He will not burden us with anything that we can't bear. And then Allah says to the Nabi Sallallahu Remember this verse, this surah, Sunnah Al-Kauthar, was revealed in the first few years of the Ba'athah, Prophethood of Muhammad Sallallahu Yet it tells the Prophet to make salah and to one har. What is one har? One har is to slaughter camels, not sheep or goats. No, Allah says to Nabi Wasallam, O oh Muhammad, I've given you such a lot in abundance, of which, because that time the Prophet had nothing. But where was the surah placed in the Qur'an? Was the surah placed at the beginning of the Qur'an when it was revealed? No. The surah was placed right at the end of the Qur'an. Surah was right at the end. Although it was revealed first, it was put right at the end of the Qur'an. After Allah s.w.t. had given to the Nabi wasallam all the blessings and all the rewards and everything, Allah SWT put in the end of the Qur'an. So Allah Taala saying to the Nabi wasallam, in Makkah when he had no camels, Nabi SAW didn't have a camel in Makkah, the first of the Nabi SAW owned a camel was when? When he went on the hijrah, and Abu Bakr, his friend came to him and said, Ya Rasulallah, we can't walk to Medina. Please, there's a camel for you. Because Abu, Abu Bakr was a rich man. So what did Nabi Sallallahu to him? Can't take the camel. He said, it's a gift. He said, no, 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 no. I can't take a gift. How much is the camel? And don't give me discount price. Subhanallah. So they agreed on the price. And he gave the camel to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that was Nabi Sallallahu first camel that he had. And why did the Nabi Sallallahu do that? Didn't he want to take a gift? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, Abu Bakr just says, You want the reward for this teacher? I also want the reward. And I don't want to ride on a gifted camel because that may reduce my reward by Allah I want to have my own camel and I to pay for it. And that camel's name was Aswa. But Allah tells him here, yeah, when he was poor, that he must slaughter camels. In other words, this is part of the miracle of the Quran that a day will come when he would have lots of camels. When will the Nabi have lots of camels? Where do we read about the amount of camels that the Nabi had? When he went for Hajj, how many camels did he take with him? Of his own camels, how many? For slaughter, how many? 100 camels. 100 camels. And he slaughtered, how many did he slaughter with his own hand? How many? How many of the hundred camels he slaughtered with his own hand? On Mina, sixty-three. 63. And what does that sixty-three tell us? That that was the number of years there would be he would be alive on the dunya. And he gave the, the, the knife to who to finish the hundred camels? Said nah, Ali, Karamallah wajha. Said to Ali, you finish. And they knew. Ali said he had an, he had a premonition that this was going to be the last year of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi of course Nabi wa Sallam passed away just a few months after that. So this is part of the miracle of the Quran that it prophesied to the Sahaba and to the Nabi wa sallam at the time when they were all extremely poor, that a day will come when the coffers of Medina will be opened and Muhammad wa was an outlaw in Makkah who now become the universal teacher of the whole of the whole of mankind. And of course Allah made him the most successful Prophet ever. We know that man by the name of Hart, H A R T, he wrote a book of the hundred most what's it, hundred most successful people, something like that? Hmm? Hundred most influential persons that ever lived. And this non-Muslim man could only come to one conclusion. That the most successful man who ever lived, most influential man who ever lived, was who? Muhammad ﷺ. Alayhi salatu salam. فَصَلِّ وانحر إن شانئك هو Remember, this surah was in response to the campaign of the Quraysh against the Nabi ﷺ to crush this message right at its inception, at its birth and one of the things they did was and people do this all the time is to try and slander not just the thing that happens in Cape Town or in No, slander has always been used as a tool by those who want to destroy the truth and they tried what they did was they spread the rumor that Muhammad had no sons and therefore his message will die when he dies and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Huwa al Oh Muhammad, I've given you everything in abundance. You should worship me, your Lord. Rabbika You should sacrifice, and sacrifice means to give in, to give charity. So so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes these two things. Salah, ibadah, and sacrifice should be done only for who? لربك. For your Lord, so you can't slaughter an animal to say I'm sick, so I'm going to slaughter the sheep for my health. That's haram. That meat is haram. Everything about it is haram. Why? Because Allah Subhanahu says, "Fasallil Rabbi Any slaughter must be done only for the sake of Allah Subhanahu. That's why Allah Subhanahu says, Lan Allah wala ولكن Allah SWT says the meat and the blood of the animals, Allah is not interested in that. خلاص. You can give it to whoever you want, do whatever you want. But Allah is interested in your taqwa. Allah, this is in relation to Qurban. Allah says, I'm not interested in the meat. You not do it to what you want. Give it to whoever you want. Eat up as much as you want. Save as much as you want. Put enough in the, in your deep freezes you want. I'm interested in why you doing it what is your niya, your sincerity for the sake of Allah and pray and, and slaughter for your Lord Allah and that was the response that Allah وتعالى, gave to the Quraysh when they try to break down the message of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and these challenges that nabi sallallahu made are the challenges which we have today and the challenges which our children will have in the future there will always be those who will try and break down the legacy of the quran and the sunnah of muhammad sallallahu i mean the west has been studying The Quran for the last at least 300 years. Why 300 years? When I say study, I mean really study. Really, really study. First they would learn Arabic. In depth. Then they would learn the Quran in depth. Then they would learn the Hadith in depth. Why? Because colonization started about at that time they conquered Muslim lands and they had to know how to deal with Muslims so they studied very well and they didn't study it in order to like the didn't study in order to, to learn the deen but to be able to in their minds find the faults in order to convince Muslims that what they have is not the truth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So, you find that people are studying at Harvard and Oxford and uh, Yale and all these Western universities. I mean, all these Western universities have faculties of Islamic studies. And I've met many people who studied at these universities. Not all of them, the exceptions. But most of them will tell you that within the first semester, you'd lose your Iman. That they're so good at what they do and what they teach that within the first semester of you sitting there and doing Islam 101 or Hadith 101 they would break down your face let me give you an example Hadith 101 you come into a class where they teach your Hadith professor so and so will teach you Hadith So Remember Professor So-and-so is probably Rosenberg or some Jewish man. There's nothing wrong with being Jewish and knowing Arabic. So he would teach you hadith. So what does he teach you? Now we know that as Muslims, when we learn hadith, the strongest evidence for the strongest, if we say a hadith is strong, if we say a hadith is sahih, first of all it's narrated by Bukhari and Muslim and so forth and so on, but what are the, what, why do we say that a particular hadith is a hadith which is absolutely authentic? There's one test. One acid test. The people and the number of people who narrated the hadith. So if Omar and Abu Bakr and Uthman and Ali and Abu Huraira and all the great names... People with impeccable character. People who never tell lies in their life. So, you have this chain. the solid iron chain. Abu Bakr says, I heard this from Muhammad The first hadith in Bukhari, narrated by Umar ibn al-Khattab, رضي الله تعالى عنه. That actions will be judged. This hadith is considered to be authentic. Absolutely, of the most authentic. hadith. Why? From the Prophet to who? Umar ibn al-Khattab. Who was Umar ibn al-Khattab? The prophet said he was a Prophet. After me, who have been Umar. So this teacher will say to them, you see this is Bukhari, this Jewish teacher will say, non-Muslim. They will say, this is the Sanad, this is the chain. And you know why this hadith is so sahih? Muslims have invented this chain. This chain, because how do do people know about this chain? He says, this chain, because they wanted this hadith to be accepted, they made this hadith, they made this chain consist of the most reliable people that Muslims know. So you say, really? In other words, reverse psychology. So you people accept that the chain is the thing. No, it's not the chain. It's the it's hadith that the Muslims want, they want this hadith to be, to be authentic. So what do they do? They invent this chain. So you sit and think, ah, oh, that, that sounds, sounds like because, you know, how do we know about these chains? Where do these chains come from? Because they don't teach you that. So this kind of onslaught, I mean, it's on a different level. And that is why it is so important for us that when we send our children to so-called Western institutions of learning where they teach Islam, that your son or daughter must have some foundation before he or she goes there. In a traditional setting, where the traditional science are being taught. So this onslaught started against the Quran and the Sunnah of Muhammad and it's carrying on. And it's not only being carried on by people at the non-Muslim institutions where they teach Islam. But people in our very own communities. And and I've mentioned this before and i mentioned it again and I want to mention it again and again and again. That there are so many groups. There's a group of people in our community. You know them, some of you. They call themselves the Ahlul Quran. To them... They say only the Quran being the authentic book which everybody agrees upon, everything else is invalid. Meaning everything else, meaning what? Meaning the whole sunnah of Muhammad Salaam, they trash. These are Muslims. Some people make salah five times a day. People read the Quran. Doctors, lawyers, engineers, you name them. Free thinkers. They'll argue all in the ground with you. People who trash all of this, can you believe it? in Cape Town as I'm standing and talking to there are people here who trash the whole Sunnah without exclusions includes Bukhari, Muslim they say the Sunnah is there's no such thing so what is the challenge that we have The challenge we have is to, to learn. Yet the saddest thing is that when the teachers are not teaching, (coughs) when the teachers are not teaching, then the people want to learn. When I am, for example, as an example, I'm not saying I'm just an example if I don't have a class, everybody sends me emails and everybody phones and everybody sends messages via this one and via, when is the class going to start? And when the class starts, then I look around and I say to myself, but I know those people who phoned me, I know those people who mailed me, but not a single one of them is here. Is the idea to, to tie me up into a lecture on a Sunday morning so that they can go somewhere else? Is there some conspiracy going on? Is it to keep me away from the beach on a Sunday morning so that they maybe can be there? But what is this a conspiracy? But well, it's not a joke. Not a joke. And why it's not a joke? Because tomorrow I'm going to be dead. I'm going to die. Gone. Buried. And you'll say, oh, you, know, you miss him. Man. Especially when it takes so long on a Friday. Now You have got somebody that only does 10 minutes, you know. Maybe we should have appreciated him more. But when I go, it's all about me. People in my, it's like your doctor. And, there's one thing that you can't replace about a person, and that is the knowledge and experience that he has. Can't, can't replace that. It ties with the person. That's what so the Nabi sallam said knowledge will not go away from this ummah. Quran is not going to disappear. You will open the Quran one night and there is nothing written on the in the Quran. Hadith, you'll open it and it'll be there. But nobody able to read it or understand it or tell or, or, or transfer it to you. Allah said, you will refer. Nabi sallam said, Allah will remove the scholars of deed. So I always tell my students, you should learn have many teachers but when the teachers teach you must be there because those teachers are not going to be there forever they're going to go and when they go they take their knowledge with them I mean I have had some great teachers in my life most of them have passed away, most of them are gone luckily today we have YouTube and you know means of keeping the, the spirit alive but it is your duty to seek knowledge to make an effort to, to seek knowledge and it doesn't matter whether you come here on a Sunday morning that's not what I'm punting I'm saying every one of you must have a good teacher to teach you so that when your son or daughter comes in and says you know today I heard my teacher was telling me about the sunnah of this hadith Professor, Professor Rosenberg, whoever it may be, or I read this on the internet, and this is what they're saying, you should be able to respond to that. You shouldn't also say, really? Or they come and they say, you know, a hadith was only, they only started writing down hadith 200 years after the death of the Nabi sallallahu You know this argument? I can't go into all these arguments, but this is what they say. If you go to any university, Anyways, the first thing will say to you oh, you're talking about traditions of your prophet do you know the traditions of the prophet was written, started, they started writing it down 200 years after the death of your prophet in other words, what happened in the 200 year gap all hadith were manufactured but that's a lie and you can only know the substance of that lie when you learn otherwise you won't know people will come to you and they'll say to you, and it's a fact, historical fact. That many ahadith were written down at that time. But what they don't tell you is that there was an oral history. Today we have YouTube and the internet and telephones and CDs and tapes and all kinds of things to record. That time recordings were made by people and passed on from father to son, from teacher to student, and so on and so on. And because of the love for the Nabi sallallahu and the respect for the Nabi sallallahu and the fear of Allah subhanahu ta'ala, whatever they heard, they faithfully recorded as it was given to them by the person who taught them. So may Allah subhanahu give inshallah that we... Make use of them. And I always say, you know, today we are so lucky in Cape Town. We have so many instances and places where you can go to learn the deen of Allah Go. Go somewhere. Find somebody. Ask the questions. Know the answers. Know the real sunnah. Practice the real sunnah. You can't know the real sunnah and the true sunnah unless you learn the real and the true sunnah. So inshallah on Sundays we continue our lectures at 11.30 on a Sunday morning. Wallahu ta'ala alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.